0: Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! Thank Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> thank you, Jesus Thank you, Jesus mm. Lord, thank you for your presence, God In our sermon series called The Season of Advent. Uh, just to recap, you know, Advent, um, somebody say Advent. Advent is, uh, it comes from the Latin word, uh, the Latin term, excuse me, Adventus, meaning arrival or coming. Arrival or coming, particularly in the coming of something having great importance. You know, Advent, it's a season of celebration by thanking God for Christ's first coming to earth as a baby, his indwelling presence. Today, through the Holy Spirit. Most importantly, Advent is also a time where um, it's where Christians focus on spiritual preparation. Somebody say preparation. preparation. We focus on anticipation and we focus on his final coming or uh, his him bringing his kingdom, restoring his kingdom upon the earth. Amen? Amen. So, like we said again last week, the season of Advent, we address key issues such as what's the real reason we look for. We look forward to Christmas. You know, like Kirk Franklin says, Jesus he is the reason for the season. Yeah, yeah, yes. He is, he is. oh, yes, he is, yeah. You can't sing it unless you do all the parts. Even if you butcher them. I'm driving on the way here this morning, and I'm singing it. I'm like, doing all that, and I'm like, I don't care. I'm just, we're just going. But, you know, we sing about it, but in our heart, do we really look forward to Christmas? Like, I heard a commercial, and, you know, we, we understand this. We all know it, but. You know this world is the opposite of God, Amen. This op- the world is counter God, and uh, and they are very blat- blatantly obvious about it. But I seen a commercial last night and again this morning, um uh, uh, I think it was a Walmart commercial, but you know these kids they were the narrators and talk about and literally opens up what opens up with what's the point of Christmas but to get gifts? And it seems innocent when the child say it, but we know that the purpose of Christmas is not getting gifts. As a kid, we all loved it. And unfortunately, as an adult, you know, if we truly put our hearts on the hot seat, is that why we look forward to December 25th? Knowing that, okay, you know, I'm going to finally get that one thing I've been looking for all year, or, you know, I'm finally going to get this or that, or, you know, all these different things. You know, is that the reason we're looking forward to Christmas? So with Advent, we get to discuss that. We get to expose it. We get to dissect it, not put anybody on blast, but we get to literally expose it, put it on the operating table, and say, okay, Jesus, the great surgeon. Does this heart look like your heart? And if it doesn't look like your heart, God, okay, conform it. Y'all remember that song we used to sing back in the day? Uh, Take my will and conform it to yours, to yours. Oh, let's put that on the list. I'm, I missed that, that was, that was a banger right there. <laughs> to yours, holiness. Ooh, holy, okay, moving on, because I, hey, I forgot that. Dre, remind me, because I ain't got a pen. That's, mm-hmm take my life conform Mm. we didn't know what we I didn't know what I was singing back then fully but as an adult that should be our prayer amen. amen Lord does this heart Ooh, here's a better you ready Lord did the emotions these emotions they look like the type of emotions you exuberated when you was on walking here on the earth did you know this this anger Lord is it is it righteous anger or is it petty anger this sadness, Lord, is, is this the kind of sadness? Should I have this type of sadness? Lord, the, you know, these emotions, I, uh, we really getting hit in the feels, but put your emotions on the hot seat and say, okay, Lord, should, I, should my emotions look like this? So with Advent, we addressed all that. We, we get to address, are we daily allowing the Holy Spirit to influence our decision-making? And then also, are we uh, with Advent, we get to check and see how spiritually prepared we are for his kingdom being Restored on the earth. Amen. Amen. So, uh, like I said last week, Advent, it, it starts the Sunday that's closest to November 30th, started last Sunday, and it runs all the way through December 24th, Christmas Eve. So if you ever see some churches do it, um, uh, there's even um, some stores that sell the Advent wreath, and, and it has the four purple candles and the white candle in the middle. The white candle represents Jesus. The four candles represent each theme throughout the month or throughout the series of the season of Advent. You know, so the second candle is uh, today. We're going to talk about the second candle. It represents peace. Somebody say peace. peace. So if you have a Bible, we're going to get started with Luke chapter two, verses eight. Through fourteen in the Passion translation, if you don't, we'll put it up on the screen. But Luke chapter two, and most of y'all are already familiar with this story, but still, it's good to it's good to refresh. Amen. But verse eight: that night, in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flocks. Suddenly, that's that's how I read with. To the boys, whenever we see the word suddenly, we say, suddenly, just getting them ready for, you know, one day they're going to hoop and holler behind the mic, so they got to know how to do it. But suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God, and the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard, and it is for everyone else. For today in Bethlehem a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. For you will recognize him by this miracle sign: you will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Ugh. Bless you, Jesus. Then all at once a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven, and all and they all praise God, singing. Here is the key verse right here: Glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace. Somebody say peace. There is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. That word hope sounds familiar from last week. Hope, a confident expectation is what we talked about. If you didn't get a chance to hear it, definitely check out the podcast plug. But for there is peace and a good hope given to men. So that word, like, a, you know, we've talked about how the, the trans or not the translation, but the, the, the original manuscript, of the text was written, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, the New Testament was written in Greek. So I encourage you, when you are reading the Bible, if you have some extra time, even if you're just reading one verse, even if it's just one or two verses, after you get done reading it, before you close up your Bible, before you close up that app, just take a word out of there. I mean, don't take the word is and and. I mean, don't be that, you know, you ain't got to be that specific. But if you see something that says, like, you know, water or peace or hope or something like that, just take some time up and go to blueletterbible.org. I think, yeah, .org is a plug, and type in that, you know, scripture, you know, and then just look and see what it originally says in the Greek or Hebrew, whichever particular um, testament you're reading. Just take time out to do that, okay? But, in, but uh, the, the word peace in the Greek, in this context, is a word called irene, which is a primary verb. It, it comes from, or derives from the primary verb, aro, which means to join, as in carpentry, a dovetail joint, or literally or figuratively, by implication, prosperity, peace, quietness, rest, watch this, or to set at one again. I love that. So we're gonna break this down just a little bit. We'll come back to that phrase, set at one again. But I love it because it says in this context, what we read when the angel says, For there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. When it's saying there is peace, there's gonna be a joining. And that joining, they, they the when they were writing this, the Greek, they, they, they related it to the joining of a dovetail joint. And I meant to, you know, download a picture and put it on the screen. I didn't. But if you ever seen a dovetail joint, um, I, I sound like a carpenter. I'm not. I don't have any of those type of skills. I can I can hammer a nail. I can pull the nail out. I can drill. Uh, you know, I have instructions. But I could do that. If you give me instructions, I could do it. But I have no joy in just, you know, being a carpenter. I, that's That's not me. You know, that, yeah, that's not me. Um, I worked with a, I worked, I remember working somewhere and a guy was trying to give me a on how to do this. Like, and he had so much joy as he was telling me about it. And I'm just like, man, you really like that type? of stuff. I said, yeah, I love it. Do you? I'm like, hmm. <laughs> no, but I love that you love it, you know. But a dovetail joint, if you ever, you can, you can Google on your phone or you can even go to a hardware store. But a dovetail joint. Literally, it's got these three grooves, three or four grooves, and the other side of the joint has three or four grooves, and they lock in together. So if you literally did that with your fingers, that's a dovetail joint. And I love it because they describe peace as a dovetail joint, which, understand this, that means that uh, it has to be specifically made. That dovetail joint it is specifically made. Not any type of piece of wood can just fit in there. Only one that has the specific grooves. So therefore, the, the carpenter, when he made those two pieces of wood, he made them with each other in mind. He didn't make it thinking, you know, when he made one, he was thinking about the other. He didn't make one and be like, all right, I made this one. Oh, you know, I, okay, I, I, you know, I, I already put these grooves in, so I guess I'll make another one with some grooves that fit. No, when the carpenter made those particular dovetail joints, he was thinking of the other as he was creating one. See, when God was creating you, he was looking at his son, Jesus. Why? Because Adam and Eve, when he created Adam, he said, he said, let us make man in our image. He didn't say, let us make man in a separate image. Let us, you know, let us make man with a little bit of us. No, he said, let us make man in our image. And he looked at himself and created mankind. He looked at himself and spoke you into existence. You are the image of God. You ref- we reflect the glory of God. That's why the enemy loves to attack your identity. That's why we see, we're seeing a resurgence, a, a rise in people that are, what, re-identifying. You know, I identify as this. I identify as that. And, you know, we've never thought, I've never put two and two together, but God who created us in his image, God who created us in his identity. And what, what does the devil love to do? The devil can never create, but he can, he, he can try to copy he can try to swindle. He can try to hunt, He can do all these different things, but he can never fully create. So what does he do? What does he do? Causes this, he influences this rise of re-identification. When really it shouldn't be a rise of re-identification. It should be a rise of us accepting our true identification. Lindsay, what's our true identification? Sons and daughters of God. Sons and daughters of God. Sons and daughters of God created in the image of God. The beloved of God the beloved of God, you, doesn't cost you a thing. Doesn't cost you a thing. Doesn't cost you a thing. <laughs> but I love this because they, they compared the piece to a dovetail joint, which means that, uh, you know, you, you can not, the, understand this. It truly means that there's, for it to be a dovetail joint or for that piece to be compared to a dovetail, dovetail joint, means that the peace of God, there's nowhere else that you can find in the earth, doesn't matter how many self-help books you read, doesn't matter how many DIY uh, psychological therapeutic podcasts they are out there, trust me, I, I've listened to a few of them, doesn't matter, how, uh, doesn't matter how many interviews we watch, how many documentaries, doesn't matter how, many, how much schooling we do, doesn't matter how much studying we do, doesn't matter how much experience you gain, at the end of the day, there will never, never, there will be nothing that comes close to, that can produce the peace that Jesus produces in your life. Amen. That's why it's called the peace that surpasses understanding, that surpasses understanding. Meaning understanding is right here. And the peace that God gives is light years ahead, light years ahead. Amen. Amen. It'd be like it'd be like you trying to play horse against Michael Jordan in his prime. I mean, right now he can still kick you. He still kick you. But in his prime, it'd be like you saying, "Okay, you know what? I'm going to play a game of horse against the goat. You know, you know. God's peace surpasses our understanding, amen. amen. So we, uh, when, uh, in the Greek, I said you know the definition of it, but one of the definitions was to set at one again. Somebody say set at, one again. set at one again. So set at one again. If that phrase seems familiar, it it should because we've talked about something similar or we've skated around this idea. But in Romans chapter four, verse twenty-five, in the Passion translation, Paul talks about it this way. He says, Jesus was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins and was raised back to life to prove that he had made us right with God. Somebody say right with God. Right God. Say, I like that phrase right with God, right with God, right with God. One of my favorite battle rappers, he's like, he's like, I write with God and I'm right with God. And I'm like, yeah, I don't I don't I don't write with God, but I'm right with God. You know, you're, you're you know. Think, uh, the, the mirror, before I get into the really good analogy, but the mirror Bible says it this way. It says, our sins, same verse, our sins resulted in his death. His resurrection is proof of our righteousness. He is the equation. Jesus is the equation. Jesus was handed over because of our short failings. He was raised because we were declared righteous. His resurrection is the official receipt to our acquittal. The official receipt to our acquittal. You ever you know you ever got into an argument with somebody, you know then come time to apologize, you finally woman up, man up, and you apologize, and then you know what's you know in this new day and age, what's the next thing you say? So so we good, we good, bro. You know we good. You know sis, are we good? I don't know what the ladies say, but you know men, are we good or something like that? Are we are we, are we clear? All hearts and minds clear? You know that's that's what the seasoned saints would say. But uh, and ultimately, yes, you come to a mutual understanding. You're good. Everybody's clear. There's no fault. Everything is moved past. Everything's been swept under the rug. We can move forward. You know, I love this because, you know, uh, in order for that to be so, um, when Paul said in the Mirror Bible or whatever, when he said that his resurrection is the official receipt to our acquittal. It's the same as, you know, uh, literally there is there is strife between man and God. There is strife between man and God. And what Jesus did, Jesus took that strife. Literally, it said that our sin resulting in his death, his resurrection is proof of our righteousness. He was handed over because of our short felons. What does it say in the passion? Okay. Jesus was handed over because over to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins and was raised back to life to prove that he has made us right with God. Paul said that the distance and separation between us and a holy God caused by sin. The distance between us and God was caused by sin. It was caused by sin. Even though it was caused by sin, his resurrection was the, it was the receipt that proves that everything's good. So, like, when, when we get in an argument and you apologize and all that stuff, and then you ask, are you good? And there's like, yeah, we're good, da-da-da. The proof that you and that other person is good is the way they're going to treat you later on. You know, in the back of your mind, you may be you may be thinking, okay, well, she said we're good, so I'm, I'm, we're gonna see. You know, our nets interaction, how are we doing? And if they're still short with you, if they still kind of bitey, still kind of throwing shade, then you know, in the shadow, you know, in the back of your mind, oh, we ain't good. They still holding it still holding the grudge you know they still got it in the palm of their hand and then what are you going to do what are you going to do if you if you're not in Christ if you're not walking in the spirit if you're not if you're not swiping the thoughts what's going to happen you're going to pull down that thought and you were like oh they ain't good why good either they gonna hold I got stuff on them you know oh you got stones to throw? I got I got stones to throw too you know, we was watching the show, <laughs> and uh, I, told, I told Dre I, and Mom, I said, I got this new saying, we was watching the show, and the person said, these hands, or these, uh, this person uh, had gotten a fight. He said, like, yeah, I got these hands. These windmills, they'll swing. And I was like, oh, I like that. I like that. Drink. I like that. Kiss. I was like, these windmills, they'll swing. You know, just wait. Just, I'm going I'm to I'm put it in the memory bank. And one day when the boys, when they become teenagers, if they decide to try what their daddy tried with their nana, you know, I'm like, hey, hey! <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go into the library and be like, pull it out, I'm like, see these hands, boys? These windmills are swing. You gotta take the bass out your voice, okay? I'm, it's it's right there. It's ready for that type of scenario, okay? It's ready. I don't think they will. I pray not. <laughs> We're going fast and pray and believe they won't. But still. But you know, if 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 the person that you've been arguing with they say that you know you're. Uh, they say things are good, but they still have that 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 hesitation or they still have that animosity in the tone of their voice. Then you know that they're not good. But with God, it's, it's not like that. The, the, the beef or the distance or the the, the thing that caught that separated us between uh, that separated us from God when literally Jesus paid it, Jesus resolved it. And his pr- the, the proof that he resolved it is the fact that he is alive and well. That's, the fact that Jesus raised from the dead is one of the many things that separates God from any other little gods, any other little G-gods. The fact that Jesus rose from the grave. Muhammad didn't rise from the grave. Muhammad did not rise from the grave. Buddha didn't rise from the grave. Buddha, where you at? He did. In the ground. Somewhere. Out there. But Jesus... Why? Because death could not hold him. I don't know why I'm in a singing mood this morning. Fell tore before him. Death could not hold him. Death could not hold. And what it ultimate flex by God to say, okay, you know what? Not only am I going to send my son, but he's going to live the same type of life that we all live. He's going to be he's going to be bound to the same type of viruses and sicknesses that are rampant in the earth. Yes, Jesus caught colds too. Jesus caught fevers too. Jesus had you know I had one minister tell me this in Bible college and it blew my mind Jesus had to use the bathroom too and I was like oh man you know what Jesus and, and he, he said all that he's like I say all that to say this Jesus was human just like us Jesus wrestled with temptations just like us but he leaned into his created identity he leaned into his God identity to show us that, you know what, in moments of struggle, in moments of when we are wrestling with, who am I truly? You ever ask yourself that question, who am I truly? The answer is, who does God say that I truly am? Grace. Not as much as we love our parents or, or our grandparents or relatives, not, not who they say who you are. Who does God say who you are? Who, not who your coworkers say you are, not who your boss says who you are, Not not what some internet test that you took on your personality say. No, who does God say that I am? Who does God say that? And it's a, it's a daily question that you have to ask him. Why? Because you're going to walk out of these double doors and you're going to face things in life that you need to be reminded. You've you got to run back to the presence of God and remind yourself, okay, God, who do you say that I am? It was, a, it was a few days ago. I literally had to walk into the prayer part of my life and say, okay, Lord, show me who I am again. Lord, I know you show me before. Lord, Jesus. Papa, show me who I am. Show me who you've created me to be. Show me how I'm supposed to walk. Lord show me I'm, I'm i got I got specific Lord show me how I'm supposed to raise these boys. Lord show me how I'm supposed to be a husband. Lord show me how I'm supposed to deliver the mail when I work at this particular office. I got I mean I got down to the details. Lord show me how I'm supposed to do this task. Show me how I'm supposed to do that. Lord show me not because I was petty or not because I I want to see if if anything had changed. No, because I knew that at the end of the day at the at the at the, at the end of all things if he is truth if he is truth and I am in him, then guess what? When I look at him, I will see the right way every time. Amen. Why? I, because when we gaze at Jesus, there's that phrase again, there's that word again. When we gaze at Jesus, what do we see? We see the way that we were meant to be all along. Amen. We see the one that who died for us. Yes. We literally read it that he was crucified for us. Amen? Amen. He was crucified for us. Paul said in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, that Jesus was crucified for the forgiveness of our sins. And his resurrection is proof that you and God are good. The scripture said that his resurrection is proof that we have been made right with God. God. Right with God. You know, you know I, remember, I remember when I got my first loan when I was 16. First loan. First loan. Paid, you know, making the payments, working a little season, making the payment. I remember finally when I paid it off. It was on the Dodge Neon. It was a good little car, or, or I don't even know where it's at, but rest somewhere, Dodge Neon. But I remember, Jerry, when I paid, when I made the final payment, made the final payment while well, they didn't pay it, I was like, whew, this feels good. I was right with the bank. I didn't owe the bank anything. In fact, they even think, you know, you know Mr. Melton, thank you so much for your little service. They didn't say little. I'm at a little. <laughs> <laughs> Granny was with me, too. Thank, thank you so much. Of course, I'm, thank you, girl, you know, walk out of there. You know, I didn't, I didn't walk out of there like I normally did when I make the payments of. I made that payment. Woo. No, this time when I paid it off, I walked there. Yeah. Your boy. Look at that Neon. I was like, all right, Neon. Where you want to go, bro? Where you want to go? Let's, let's, all right, let's go to Sparky's, you know, because back then we I married, didn't have kids. So I can, if I want to go to Sparky's and treat myself, I can do it. And nobody be the wiser, you know, Now. You know, we got location tracking, so you know if I go, you know, go. So, I remember in Jackson, <laughs> working around in Jackson, and I get I get done early. I was like, you know what, you know, I'm in Jackson, 30 minutes away. I can't help nobody, you know, can't, you know. So I, I eventually I got to get home, but you know, so I'm like, well, I got to pass some restaurants on the way home because there's all types of roads you can take to get back here to Lettson. But if if you if you know your if you know your way around, you know you can kind of take a little long ways that way. Well, I, just, I I was going past there, so then I got something. So I remember uh, I I took the took the long way around, stopped at this little restaurant. You know, I called it in and uh, Kelsey touched like, hey, what are you doing? You off work? I'm like, uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, ain't no wrong with that. I was just checking. I'm like. That's in town. He's a rural carrier. He wouldn't be delivering city mail. I'm like, listen, like you know, okay? Like, stop. <laughs> stop it. Stop it. And, uh, you know, so I'm like, well, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was like, you want something? Well, I me sit your ass in. But, you know, when, you, when, you, when you've been made, when you understand that you are right with something, right with somebody, you walk, you walk with your head a little higher. Right. You walk with your chest out. Your, your vocal tone, it changes. Why? Because you are secure in knowing that, hey, with this thing right here, I'm right with it. I'm good with it. And when the angel, the angel was giving a spoiler alert, telling the shepherds and telling all of us that were reading, hey, what's coming down the road, it's something that's going to make you right with God. It's gonna make you good with God. It's gonna, it's going to, it's gonna erase the distance between man and God. It's gonna erase the animosity. It's not gonna, it's not gonna put you in the enemy category anymore. It's gonna put you in the friend category. It's going to put you in the beloved category. What's coming down the road, what's coming down the road is someone that is going to pay the price, is going to be crucified for your sins, past, present, and future. And guess what? Not only is he going to take those sins to the grave, but he's going to raise three days later above those sins, leaving all that animosity in the grave, leaving all that depression in the grave, leaving all that distance in the grave, leaving all the all the short failings that we have in our life, leaving those there and raising above that and bringing us with him. Amen? Amen. Peace. Somebody say peace. Peace. So in Romans chapter 4, verse 25, Jesus was crucified for the forgiveness of our sins, and his resurrection is proof that you and God are good. His resurrection is proof that we've been made right with God. Now, watch what verse 1 of chapter 5, literally the next verse right after verse 25. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Paul says, Therefore, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. And he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Remember, we're talking about peace. Amen. Amen. Paul said in verse one, he says that our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us. Not how many scriptures you read. Not how beautiful we sung. That was great. And and heaven was and heaven loved it. But watch this. Heaven wasn't moved by it. Why? Because you, what you bring to the table can't. It's not going to it's not going to influence God to love you more or, the, or to release the presence more. No, as we sung more, our awareness began to unlock more of realizing his presence is all around us. Amen. By the end of worship and that just that overwhelming joy and that overwhelming peace saturating us. That's all the time. But a lot of times life gets us so bought down to the point that we don't realize it. We don't sense it. We're unaware of it. We're unaware that Jesus is the one that walks with us, talks with us, leads leads us and guides us. But verse 1 said, our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now, somebody say now, now, declares me flawless in his eyes. Flawless. Hey, guess what, church? He sees you as Flawless. And see, that's hard to believe because, you know, we live in a world where, you know, it is encouraged for ladies to wear makeup. Not the wrong makeup. Please don't. I am not want to just tell you, we live in a world where the world encourages ladies to wear makeup. We live in a world where it encourages the guys to look a certain part. It encourages women to look a certain part. And it says that if you don't look this way, then, nah, you know, if you got this, just tuck it in. If you got this, just cut it. If you got this, just hide it. All that, you know, cover it up. But Jesus, Papa. Papa sees you as flawless, flawless. Praise God. Our faith in Jesus, that firm persuasion, that, that grip on you, truly saying, okay, God, I believe in your word. Your word says that you are going to make a way out of no way. I'm holding tight to that. That, that, that practice is what, in Jesus, transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy. You say that word Enjoy. It didn't say that we can now sulk around. It didn't say now we can, you know. (sighs) It says we can enjoy true and lasting peace with God. True and lasting peace with God. True and lasting peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. All because what he has done for us. Listen to this. To be at peace with God is to be in union with him. To be in peace with God is to be in union with him. That's why that phrase earlier, to sit at one again, sounded familiar. To sit at one again means to be brought back into union with God. It means to be redeemed, renewed, restored. Amen? Amen? You have been redeemed. You have been redeemed. You have been restored. You have been brought back into the Perichoresis Fellowship. We have been brought back into union with God. To be at peace with God is to be in union with him. Listen to this. Peace is a place of unhindered enjoyment of friendship beyond guilt, suspicion, blame, or inferiority. There we go. I'll say it again. Peace is a place of unhindered enjoyment of friendship beyond guilt, suspicion, blame, Blame or inferiority. That's what peace is. One more time, because I see some people taking notes, and that's awesome. Peace is a place of unhindered enjoyment of friendship. Say that one more time. Peace is a place of unhindered enjoyment of friendship beyond guilt, suspicion, blame, or inferiority. That's what peace is. And the angel said that. What Jesus is doing, what Jesus was going to do, is going to bring that into our reality to the point that you and I, we are right with God. Well, Lindsay, I had a bad thought. or Lindsay, I, you know, I, I, I might have slipped up and said something. I might have looked at something. I might have, I, you know, da 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 or my past. Lindsay, you don't understand what I've done. You, you don't know my life, but, you know, all that. Yes, but God does. And our faith in Jesus transfers his righteousness to us, and he now declares us flawless in his eyes. And we can declare we can enjoy true and lasting peace with God, true and lasting peace. You know what that means? It means that the goodness that we have being made right with God, being good with God, there being no distance between you and God being his beloved. It lasts forever. His mercies and goodness last what forever? They endure forever, endure forever. Endure forever. You know how long you know how long forever is. I used to say that to our students. You know how long forever is. And the kids be like, forever. The ones that've been there for a while, they knew that Pastor Lindsey liked you to say forever, like we would say it in the Sandlot. Forever. So whenever we read the Bible and come upon that word, I make them stop and I say, you know how long forever is. They be like, forever. We know. We know. I was like, no, but you need to know that no matter who comes in your life, God is forever. His love for you is forever. His protection over you is forever. His His provision is forever. His healing is forever. His His focus on you, His attention to your details, it's forever. Despite what you think, despite if you have a good week or a bad week, despite if you're feeling extra spiritual or if you're kind of shy and keeping and keeping everything close to the vest, He's still forever in your life. Yes. He is forever. Amen. To be at peace with God is to be in union with him. We are in union with God. Therefore, we have peace with God. Please. We have peace with God. We are in union with him. We are in union with him. We are in this circle dance with him. So what does any of this have to do with Christmas? What does it have to do with us? Or what does it even have to do with the baby being born? Well, the angel said that the, the, whole, purpose of the, baby, the whole purpose of Jesus coming was to restore peace and hope. And to do so much more. If you ever look at it, it's in Isaiah chapter nine, I believe, what we read last week. But what does any of that have to do with Christmas? Everything. We celebrate Christmas not because of the gifts that we get to give or the gifts that we we expect people to give us. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. Why? Because He came to bring lasting peace on our behalf. Yes, thank you, Lord. Literally, the Bible. I mean, we we used to sing it. Uh, we used to sing when we was younger, you know, he came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. Our debt, not his debt. Jesus didn't owe God anything. Your debt, yes. your sin, my sin. He came to pay that. You know you, you know, you ever pay to pay for, you know, you don't have to show hands or anything. You ever pay for somebody's meal? Like he, he paid your debt. Yes. He paid our sins with his life. Not with money. Not with service, not with time, with his life to the point of death on the cross. So therefore, the fact that Jesus being born, we celebrate a baby, we celebrate Jesus coming in the form of a baby to live a life that we couldn't live, to meet every standard that we couldn't meet, to meet every iota, to cross every T that we couldn't cross, to dot every I that we couldn't dot, to to fulfill the law that we could not keep. And to embody it to the point that he was able to say, I have fulfilled the law. I give you two new commandments love the Lord God and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus came to do all that, and that's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we celebrate Christmas. What does this have to do with us? Everything. He did it on your behalf. He was good. I mean, you mean to tell me you're in heaven, and you're like, yeah, I think there's something else. God, God was good, but because God is perfect love, He couldn't just let us stand by the wayside in the midst of our darkness. He knew Adam and Eve sinned before He even asked Adam, Adam, where are you at? He knew where they were at. It wasn't like the garden was super big, and He's like, oh, I created the garden. Adam, where you go, bro? He He knew. He knew, and I I said it before, but the best teachers, see, there's two types of teachers, two types of teachers, and I've experienced both kinds. There's a teacher that can teach you how to memorize and how to recite, and therefore, you know, you've learned by memorization, but the best teachers, they lead you to a point of discovery to where you are able to learn how to get to that point of discovery on your own versus just memorizing words, memorizing definitions, the best teachers, they lead you to a point of discovery and God being, being uh, the embodiment of a teacher as well. When he said, where are you? He was trying to lead them to a point of discovery to realize, Hey, where you are right now, that's not where I meant for you to be. He he, he wasn't, it wasn't like he was like, Oh, where are they at? No, he knew. He knew exactly where they are, where they were, and literally everything uh, pre-garden, during the garden, and after the garden was done with us in mind. Created the garden with us in mind, set a whole plan to redeem us with us in mind, Amen. and now sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for who us daily. You are the apple of His eye. You are the one that is constantly on His mind constantly on his mind, constantly on his mind. Amen. Amen. Listen to this. I'll close with this. Jesus never promised us on this side of heaven a life of peace and tranquility. He never promised on this side of heaven. He never promised us a life of peace and tranquility. But what he did promise us, he promised us that he that we would not have to walk this life alone. Amen. Amen. What he did promise us is that we would not have to walk this life alone. That's why the angel said in verse 14, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. There is peace given to us. There is lasting peace. That peace we read earlier, but that peace means to be set at one again. That peace means that there's that you may be created a certain way and there's only one that fits in with who you've been created to be. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. I, know, I know one of the first if you ever worked on the car before, the could test this. But one of the frustration, frustration, frustrating things about working on a car is, you know, not every uh, what may uh, the parts and the sizes of, of bolts and screws and nuts are not always universal. Like the way the size of the bolts and screws on my mail car is different than our van. So therefore, if I try to apply the same logic that I would use to fit my mail car to the to, uh, to the van, it ain't gonna work. Why? Because that that Buick was created to be the Buick. The van was created to be the van. You were created to be a certain type of person. There's nobody else that will fit those metrics, those mechanics. Those those details, those, those hormones, those tendencies, those in, all that stuff that make up you, those, those cells. There's nobody else that can fit that except for one. And he is eternal. He is Jesus. And he came upon the earth in the form of a baby, grew up, lived the life that we were supposed that we were supposed to live and couldn't live. Why? Because he loved us to the point that he's like, hey, I, we're going to take care of all of it. We're going to take care of every detail, every everything seen and unseen. We're going to make we're going to meet every standard that you have forgotten about, and and, and the ones that you do know about. We're, we're going to eradicate it all. We're going to take care of it all. I heard one minister talk about refer to the gospel as this. It's like when you you know you uh, those that were in uh, remember when you was in school. And you have a pop quiz. Oh man, I did not like pop quizzes. I could probably I figure you would like pop quizzes, but I guess you didn't. Okay, that's good. That's good. But I didn't like pop quizzes because, you know, it's a quiz and we weren't prepared for it. I I don't do good with unprepared stuff. And uh, but this minister referred to the to the gospel as, you know, getting ready to take a pop quiz. And literally Jesus walks in. You get up out of your seat. He says, get up, get out of your seat. And he sits in there. He sits in the seat, takes the test and writes your name on it. Therefore, all the right answers is acquitted on your behalf. It's, it's put on your behalf. We are made right with God on Jesus' behalf. Amen. We're made right with God. Right. Made right with God. Let that, let that sink in. That's, that's what peace is like. Knowing that, you know what, at the end of the day, I'm right with God. At the end of the day, no matter, no matter how much money I got or how much money I don't have, no matter if the house is clean or the house ain't clean, no matter if, if I'm still doing the same thing I did last year, I'm right with God. And that and that's a hard pill to swallow because we live in a world where we see everything. We see the goals that we don't make. Amen? Amen. We see we see the we see the, the the attempts that we try to make it life and miss. We see our shortcomings. Or you may be around, you may get around people that remind you of your shortcomings, and then you've got to practice patience. Like, what'd you say, man? Like, you know. We we are around that. We're in it. And the, and, the, and the temptation is to immerse ourselves fully in it and forget that we are right with God. But I'm asking you, church, to, to avoid that temptation and lean and, and, and fit your posture, fit, uh, reshift the posture of your heart to where you are able to lean in and say, okay, no matter what I see, no matter what I feel, at the end of the day, I'm right with God. And that is more than enough. That is more than enough. Amen. I remember as a kid, I used to hear, I used to hear my uh, my relatives say, you know, God never did another thing for me. He's done enough. We even used to sing that song, and I would sit as a kid, Dre, you'll laugh. I would sit as a kid and I'd be clapping and singing. I didn't want to sing it because I didn't like that. I'm like, Lord, I want you to keep doing stuff. Like, don't stop. Like, why? You know, I didn't understand. I'm like, why are we singing? He's done enough. I I still need more. I want more. As a little kid, like, i I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a fan with this. I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay. He's done enough. I'm like, mm-mm. Nope. Nope. But I didn't say that loud because I knew it was gonna get that pow pow. So <laughs> just nope. He's done enough. Nope. Uh, you know, just being honest. I, I didn't like it. I didn't li- I didn't fully understand it. But we live in a world today, even as Christians, that unfortunately that we don't hear, we don't hear that. Be, that's not the posture of most Christians anymore to the point that if, if Jesus never did another thing for me, he's done enough, nobody says those things anymore. It used to be a very, it used to be a common thing. if he's never done he never does another thing for me. He's done enough and, and people will cheer and people will get behind, but nobody says those things anymore. Why? Because we have become more me focused. We, we, we live in a world, but also as Christians, unfortunately, we've given into the temptation of we focus on ourselves more than Jesus. We focus on ourselves more than Jesus. That's why you don't hear people say that anymore. That's why you don't see people sing that anymore. That's why you don't see any, anybody preach that or, or proclaim that. You know what? He's done so much for me. If, he's never, if he never does another thing for me, he's done enough. Why? Because we, we've, we've adopted that same type of mindset I had as a little child, which is, I, I, Lord, I still need more stuff. Lord, I still want more stuff. Lord, I still got these goals. I still want this house. I still want all these different things. When God is like, hey, I, uh, I, I, I made you right with God. I erased the sin. I erased the animosity. I erased the distance between, you know, you and God. And now you can be with him forever. You can fellowship with him in your car because of what I did. You can fellowship, you can sense him even as you're doing something very small like folding towels. You can still sense the presence of God. You can, you can pray in tongues and stir yourselves up even if you're just sweeping the floor. Mm-hmm. I did that. I made you right with God. God. Now, Jesus would never be proudful and say that, but I'm like, you know, what? When, we, when we think about it, Lord, you, if, you, if you never do another physical thing for me, You've already done so much. You've already brought me out of so much. And that's probably why the Lord prompted us to sing that at the end today. You know, thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. I just, because as we're worshiping, I'm like, Lord, I don't know what else. And just out of it, I was like, just thank you. Lord, thank you. I encourage you this week, take time out. Take time out and be like, you know what, Lord, just thank you. Lord and Lindsay, I don't know what to thank for it. Just whatever you see you and you're in your car. Lord, thank you that. Thank you. I got gas. Lord, thank you. The battery is, is, is running. So I'm able to drive this. Lord, thank you for the seats in the car. Lord, thank you that if I want to give somebody a ride, I got seats in my car to give them a ride. Lord, thank you for the t- I mean, like, go down the list. I sound like mom and dad and granny, but go down the list. Go down. The list. Thank you for the tires. Lord, thank you for the road. Thank you that our town's got roads. We may have potholes, but thank you that it's got roads. Lord, thank you that we're develop the town's developing a bypass. That way, eventually, more eyes will have to come this way and see what you are doing on a Sunday morning. Lord, thank you for my family. Thank you for my job. Thank you that I'm not homeless. Thank you that I'm not jobless. I mean, like, keep, you, there, you, we are not without things to thank God for. Amen. Amen. You know why? Because we've been made right with God. Yes. That's what peace looks like. Yes. That's, that's the type of peace that God meant for us. Not the, not the uh, where everything is hunky-dory and, and, you know, the rainbows are every day and, you know, you can eat and not gain count. Cal- that's not the type of peace God designed for your life. That's the type of peace the world wants us to have, and we strive to get it, and we never meet it. Why? Because it's not real. And I promise I'm closing but the peace that God meant for your life is the type of peace to where you can sit back and say, okay, I'm good. Things may not be perfect, but you know what? I'm good. Somebody say, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. This month, we, uh, you know, as we move closer towards December 25th, you know, we said it last week, spark hope within your heart. We said it last week, make sure you are sparking hope within your heart. Amen. So I'm going to say it this week. For this week, daily rejoice. Somebody say daily. Daily. Daily rejoice in the fact that you have been set at one again. Daily rejoice that the fact that you are right with God. You have been made right with God. Daily rejoice that you have peace with God. Daily rejoice that you are back in the union with the Father, Son, and Spirit. Daily rejoice. And there's nothing wrong for your prayer to be like, Lord, thank you for making me right with you. Thank you for making me right with you. You know, if you ever been in a relationship and you know you get into that argument, you know, once once the one you know, once you've gotten over your pride and you made, you know, everything is right again, you know, you know that feeling where it's like, ah, you can breathe again. Mm-hmm. When you're praying to say, Lord, thank you for making me right with you. Then take take a deep breath like, ah, feels good to be right with you. Last, last Sunday, last Sunday was not an ideal Sunday for me. But for my for some reason for Kellen, Kellen had a different perspective. Everything was just going right for him. I I didn't know it was. It was just a normal, you know, Sunday we come to church, do what we do, and that's, that was a little stressful, trying to get different things working. The Lord moved, the Lord still did what he did. Uh, you know, we go out to eat. The kids are wild, just going cray, just everything and I'm like, good, 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 good. Lord, like it was different when we were in the floor, and nobody knew me. So my kids could be then I'm you know, I wasn't embarrassed. Now I'm like, Hey, hey, stop, bro. I went to school with them. Cut it out <laughs> That person taught me That person knows your That person knows your granny Stop it <laughs> Cut it out You know <laughs> oh, no. And uh, we even go by the store June, or Something I don't want to do Go get Christmas stuff out of the store June, or Something I don't want to do And as we pull it out I'm you know we're, Everybody's just At least me and Kelsey We're just uh, You know And uh, as we pull it out Into the road Kellen's just Everything's just going right for me today <laughs> i like I'm glad, son. I'm glad everything's going right for you. I'm so glad, you know. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit, I promise I am close with it. The Holy Spirit convinced me as we're driving the short distance from the storage unit to the house, you know what? Everything's going right with me too. I'm like, not because of, you know, Not because of anything that I've done or anything, you know, not because I prayed or no, everything's going right with me because I've been made right with God. And the Lord used my little six-year-old son, and we laughed about it, but he used my six-year-old son to teach me that. You know what? Everything, everything is right for us. Why? Because we've been made right with God. Now, listen, you may get a, you may get a call from a bill collector tomorrow and you may not have the money to pay it. Do not stress. We said it last week. Don't give up in times of trouble. I I, I told the Lord, I'm like, Lord, you would tell me that. And then this, this type of week that we had last week, I had, had there's times on the job I had to literally turn my rearview mirror to myself and point, Lindsay, don't give up in time of trouble. Pouring the rain, it's dark outside, trying to find houses, Lindsay, don't give up in time of trouble. Lindsay, don't give up in time of trouble. Look at different things, Lindsay, don't give up in time of trouble. Kids get sick, go to the half bath, look in the mirror, Lindsay, don't give up in time of trouble. Lindsay, don't give up in time of trouble. Everybody's sleep. Pull out my phone, look at my reflection, Lindsay, don't give up in time of trouble. Tapping my chest, Lindsay, don't give up in time of trouble. Why? Because that, that's, that's how we spark hope within us, that confident expectation. And, and if you're like me, you'll say, okay, well, why should I not give up in time of trouble? Why? Because, because I'm the beloved of God. God has, God has me. He's not forgotten about me. He's aware of everything I'm going through. And if he's aware of it, he'll take care of it. He's, he's not the he's not the type of God that, you know, is aware of your problems and just leave you to fend on your own. Amen. No, no, no. He's aware of everything you're going through and he's working all. We said it last week. I feel like we were back. We went back in time. He said the last week. he's working all things out for the good of those who love the Lord. Amen. Does anybody love the Lord? Amen. Guess what? he's working things out for your good. Yeah. May not seem like it may not feel like it, Thank you, Lord. but he's working things out for your good. Now, he knows the definition of good, what good looks like. And the Bible didn't say he's working things, all things out for the way you want them to turn out. Ah, no. uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> gut punch, ain't it? Got to, it hit you, don't it? <laughs> he's working things out for the good, not for a good, the good. He knows the, he knows the type of outcome that you need. Not the out, he, he's not working things out for the outcome that you want. So therefore, it means that a lot of times when God gets done working things and they've come to they come to a resolve, it may not look like the way we want them to. Mm-hmm. And then we have to come to a crossroads and say, OK, will I take the, the the outcome that God has produced? Or will I say, no, Lord, I don't want that. Let's go back to the drawing table. And, you know, you know, that that's good. God. And we take the other road and try to work it out on our own. And get further into the hole, get deeper into the hole. When God is like, hey, I'm aware of this. I'm working all things out for your good. And and the reason we get this benefit, the reason we get this blessing, is because he has made us right with him. Somebody say, I'm right with God. That's what peace is, amen? So So as we focus on peace this week, as you think about peace... Think about the fact that, Jesus, you made me right with you. And, and and say it until you smile. Practice smiling. Practice, practice when you say it, just, Jesus, you made me right. You may not feel it. You're like, Jesus, you made me right with you. You keep saying it until that smile becomes organic to the point like, Jesus, you, Lord, you made me right with you. I'm right with God. Jesus, you made me right with Papa. I'm right with the Father. I'm right there is not there's nothing that there's nothing that separates me from the love of God. There's no distance. There's no height. There's no depth. There's no high mountain. There's no valley. I can go to the highest mountain. I can make my bed in shield. and at the end of the day, still nothing separates me from the love of God. I can go to the farther side of the county and nothing separates me from love of God. I can I can have a million dollars in debt and nothing separates me from the love of God. I can be zero. I can be debt-free. Nothing separates me from the love of God. I can have everybody following me. I can have everybody praising me. Nothing separates me from the love of God. I can have everybody leave me. Everybody forsake me. Everybody can turn in the back of me, and still nothing separates me from the love of God. I can get a good diagnosis from the doctor, or I can get a bad report from the doctor, and still nothing separates me from the love of God. I can get all the gifts December 25th, or I can get no gifts, and still nothing separates me from the love of God, because I'm good with God. I've been made right with God. Why? Because He took my debt. He came upon this earth, took my debt to pay, and guess what? Because He took my debt to pay, there's nothing left but goodness and mercy, and they're following me every Day. They follow me to the point that every new day is a new ounce of mercy, a new ounce of grace. I'm made right with God. Church, you are made right with God. 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 You, right with God. you right with God. You've been made right with God. In a world where 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 everybody is 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 very. Uh, 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 scared of what to say, or, or scared of how to approach, or scared of what to do, we get this freedom of where we can live truly in Jesus, and say, "Okay, Lord, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk out the door with my head held high. I'm gonna walk with my chest up, know that I'm good. You are protecting me. In fact, you go before me, and you de- and you declare the path that I need to go for. I'm right with you, God." We don't use this to to invoke pride. We don't use this to go down a prideful path. We use this to avoid the tricks of the enemy when the enemy comes for our identity. When the enemy comes to tell us that you're crazy. No, I'm not crazy. I'm right with God. When the enemy comes to tell you that you're stupid. No, I'm not stupid. I'm right with God. I'm not stupid. I got the mind of Christ. When the enemy comes to tell you that you'll never, you'll never experience love. Oh, oh, I got perfect love. I'm the I'm right with God. I'm the beloved of God. When the enemy comes to tell you all these different things, the opposite is true. Amen. Amen. The opposite is true. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I encourage you, rejoice this week. Find times to rejoice this week and just say, Lord, thank you for making me right with you. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.